Hi, I'm Jo Rochelle, and this is Girl Wonder, a thoughtful and relaxing podcast that analyzes comics on Webtoon. If you want to dive deep into theories and relive some of the biggest moments in your favorite Webtoons, then you're absolutely in the right place. Sit back, relax, and we'll get started. Today on the podcast, we are discussing episodes 200 through 203 of Lore Olympus by Rachel Smythe. We are discussing Persephone's journey in the underworld and her reunion with Hades, except it doesn't seem like it's Hades. We're also doing a bit of analysis on Zeus, and I can't wait to talk about a certain moment, so definitely stay tuned. I also want to encourage you to support the creator of this comic, Rachel Smythe, and you can do that in a few ways. So you may or may not know that Lore Olympus is available as a graphic novel, a tangible physical copy of Lore Olympus. So I recently went to Barnes & Noble and got volume two. Now I have both volumes. I have the hardcover. I am in love with it. If you are interested in getting Lore Olympus in print, you can go to loreolympusbooks.com. I'll leave the link for that in the description box of this podcast episode. So make sure you support. It looks lovely on the bookshelf. It looks amazing on the coffee table. I mean, you just have to get it. You can also get Hot Topic Lore Olympus merch. I will leave the link to that in the description box of this podcast episode as well. And if you find yourself enjoying the podcast and discussing and analyzing Lore Olympus together, consider joining my Patreon at patreon.com slash girlwonder. Patrons get early access to podcast episodes, so my patrons got this episode over a week ago. They also get the opportunity to add their voice to the podcast. It's a really fun community, and I appreciate all of the support. Join us. We would love to have you. And before we start, our top cities that have listened to this podcast the most in the last seven days are Apopka, Bern, San Antonio, Toronto, Houston, and Coatesville. Thank you all very much for listening to the podcast. I appreciate you so much. All right, let's get into it. Lore Olympus episode 200 is called You Should Sit Down. We start off with Persephone looking up in the sky, and it's none other than Zeus with his lightning. Who knew the day would come that we would actually be relieved to see Zeus? Considering what's going on with Kronos possessing Hermes' body, I'm excited to see him. You know, we needed some help. We needed some support. We'll even take it from Zeus. And speaking of Hermes, possessed Hermes slash Kronos says, Ah, Zeus. I knew the runt of the litter would come sniffing around eventually. It's hard to imagine Zeus as runt of the litter. I mean, it's true. He's the youngest, but he's also the king of the gods and has had so much power in the story so far. It was tough for me to be like, oh, yeah, that's how Kronos must see him. And he continues on to say, you and your idiotic whelp of a brother have basically served me this goddess on a platter. I don't like that. (laughs) Definitely don't like that. He intends to consume Persephone, serve her on a platter like she's a meal. He wants her powers as a fertility goddess, and that is clear now. So Zeus admits to Persephone that this is not Hermes that they're confronting. This may be Hermes' body, but it is Kronos. And you guys, the face Persephone makes here made me laugh out loud so hard. Her spirit basically leaves her body. It's such a wonderful classic anime joke. 
I was rewatching Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which is one of my favorite animes ever. If you don't know it, it's on Hulu. It's amazing. It's worth the entire ride. It's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful anime. And there's a funny moment where it's about two brothers and they're just having like a hilarious, shocking moment. And one brother's soul, very much like Persephone, it leaves his body and his other brother is like, I got your soul, brother. I got your soul and puts it back in. It's just a way to express like extreme shock. Persephone did not expect to hear that. And she wants a full explanation right freaking now. And Zeus is like, I I need a drink first. He knows his brother pretty well. You know, they did a lot of brunches together, family brunches. And where there's Hades, there is also booze. So he is searching up and down for some alcohol. I like how Persephone is hesitant to enter Hades' room. We love a queen who understands boundaries. And Zeus says, I know you're trying to be respectful, but you should sit down for this. And there we have, you know, the title of this episode right there coming out of Zeus's mouth. So Zeus basically gives us and Persephone his life story. There is some vital, important background information on Zeus that we haven't gotten before. So here it is. He was actually raised by nymphs. He thought that they were his mother's. And it's sad. The first thing I wrote down in my notes is it's sad how he treats nymphs now. You know, he certainly doesn't treat them with respect. And look at him and Thetis. Look at him and the other countless nymphs that he brought to Demeter to hide out in the mortal realm, to hide from his wife. He cheated on Hera with so many nymphs. So it's a bit of a twist that he was actually raised by them. And I wasn't the only one who was thinking this. Glimmer Blossoms commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, You'd think with three mamas, Zeus would have learned to have better respect for women. Yeah, you would think that. Wolfhat commented and said, It kind of explains his fetish towards nymphs, though. Most of his exes are nymphs. He grew up around them, and he seems more attracted to them than goddesses. Not excusing his cheating and self-serving behavior, but people tend to be attracted to what they grew up around. Even with Hades, he seems to have a thing for beings on the red end of the color spectrum, like his mother was. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that on the podcast before. So one day, Zeus's mother, Rhea, came to him, and she wasn't in good shape. Right off the bat, you can see that she is maybe in pain. She looks scorched, like she barely got away with her life. And we've seen flashbacks of Rhea before. We've seen her healthy and thriving. This isn't it. She does not look well. And Zeus is so confused, wondering why the queen of the gods is showing up to talk to him. And Rhea says, I'm so happy at least one of my sons made it to adulthood. You're perfect. This like got me, you know, it's very emotional. It really puts you inside of Zeus's perspective, not even knowing that his mother is the queen of the gods until the end of her life. And to hear that she thinks you're perfect. To hear from your parent, you are perfect. There's nothing I would change about you. Why does this make me think of Zeus and Artemis' relationship? So we've talked about this. I mentioned when I saw them, like, oh, wow, Artemis and, and Zeus kind of get along as father and daughter, which was surprising to me, you know? But something about this scene, seeing Rhea tell her son, you're perfect, and like she's so happy to see him live and achieve adulthood... It just made me think of Zeus being like, Artemis is my daughter, and just him 
feeling so much love for her and being proud of her and thinking she's perfect and wanting to give her anything she asks for. I don't know. There's a connection there. I just felt it in that moment. I wrote in all caps in my notes, why does this make me think of Zeus and Artemis? It really makes me think of their relationship. So Zeus found out about his lineage. He knows who he is now. The nymphs that raised him were protecting him. And his other two brothers, Poseidon and Hades, were both devoured whole by Kronos. We as an audience have known this information, but it was hard to see Zeus take it in for the first time. Once again, we're really in his shoes here. And so Rhea gives him one final piece of key information. She tells him that he can defeat Kronos if he finds a fertility goddess with an abundance of power. She mentions Metis, Hera's mom, and says, use her powers, do whatever it costs, and then Rhea dies. So we get this really amazing bird's eye view shot that I want to point out. Did you see that panel where it looked like green grass or green earth in the shape of Rhea's body? And you see a little speck, like a little purple speck, which is Zeus. And it just was so beautiful. I had to point it out, first of all. And something that it made me think of, it's not the same at all, but it just made me think of Moana, the movie Moana. There's a character who's green goddess-like. You know, she's very beautiful, very earthy. And I think her name is Tefiti. And it just made me think of her in that moment, how like her body forms a landscape. It's just gorgeous. I love this panel. Midday Stargazer commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, In an interesting parallel, Persephone mirrors Zeus. They both grew up without knowing their true power until a horrible disaster struck. I didn't even think of it that way. It's very similar to like having some kind of interaction with your mother and then all of a sudden your life trajectory has completely changed. So with Zeus, Rhea's like, hey, I'm your mom <laughs> and I need you to go devour Metis and protect the entire world and universe from Kronos because he will bring us into darkness. All right, goodbye, right? And then Persephone's case, it was having a huge fight with her mom about feeling so sheltered, so overprotected, and then not realizing that she had so much power. She grew giant. She felt wrathful. <laughs> she didn't even know like what she was made of. She didn't know her lineage either. She didn't know that Eris gave her a blessing of wrath. I do agree with this commenter that their lives are kind of parallel. And I wonder if Persephone and Zeus will end up getting along at some point. I'm starting to feel like they will. I really am. This episode is, and the one after, they've been incredible for the development of these two characters and their relationship. We've barely seen them talk to each other. And at the trial, Zeus was being ridiculous. And at the start of the season, Zeus was being even more ridiculous, lying to everybody, saying Persephone hasn't accomplished the things he told her to accomplish so that she could leave the mortal realm, right? But this is real. They're talking about real things right now. And I enjoy that so much. I found it interesting that Zeus says, I went out of my way to create a new narrative about the true nature of fertility goddesses so nobody would know to look for one. Yes. So, so interesting. As Zeus says that, we see a panel of a woman growing a plant. That must represent the new narrative, right? 
oh, fertility goddesses, they're so great for growing plants and stuff. <laughs> so even if someone were to suspect that Persephone is a fertility goddess, they don't know what she's actually capable. They don't understand that abundance of power can overthrow a king. Marlo the Arborist commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, it looks like Zeus was also once a protagonist. Rhea forced upon him the you must do this for the greater good and only you stuff. And he lived through and won a war. And as he says, it's like he can't figure out he's not a protagonist anymore. He went through a whole adventure full of character development where the ends justified the means. And it's no wonder he ended up so self-centered. Yeah, he has protagonist syndrome for sure. He's like, this is my story. <laughs> Everything about me. And he had like a huge calling. His mother sent him on that mission. I do like that comment. It gives us a, a little bit more insight into why Zeus is the way that he is. I still think he needs therapy and he is a drama magnet. He loves drama. He cannot be in like a peaceful, chill time. He needs the drama. <laughs> That awkward girl 666 commented and said, in every depiction of Zeus in the series as a king, or even the depiction of him eating Metis, he has tears going down his face. In the image where it is shown every king of the gods with their respective queen or fertility goddess, Zeus is shown with tears coming down his face when paired with Metis. I honestly haven't noticed that, but now I'm going to go back and see if I can find some instances of Zeus with tears running down his face when it comes to him eating Metis. Okay, so I am currently looking at episode 145, which is known as the episode called Airs. And Demeter was sharing her tinfoil hat theory with Hecate about the gods consuming fertility goddesses to overthrow each other. And she says, listen, listen, listen. He consumed Metis, and we see Zeus's hand, and it's it's a giant hand grabbing Metis, and she looks scared, like she's screaming. And Demeter says, because she too was a fertility goddess, I believe that by doing this, he was able to use her powers to defeat Kronos. And now I'm scrolling down, and we see giant Zeus, and he is full of lightning bolts, and there are tears. His eyes are completely white, but there are tears in the rain. That looks like a tear falling out of Zeus's eye in episode 145. So this commenter was right. As he's consuming Metis, he is crying. Wow. Did you catch that? Did anyone else catch that before? It's very subtle what Rachel did there. But I guess if his mom sent him out on this mission and told him in her last dying words to basically kill Metis so you can defeat Kronos, he did it. But he wasn't happy doing it. And you know what? I'm thinking of episode 187, which was called Special Lemonade. Ares said, you usurped Kronos's power. I mean, you did swallow Metis. And Zeus goes, how many times do I have to say this? She was annoying me, so I ate her. But looking back at 145, is that the case? And listening to the information we're finding out here in episode 200, was she really annoying him? Was that the reason? No. And now I'm like in a spiral <laughs> because what should we be thinking of Zeus here? Hmm. It makes him less of a villain. It really does in this aspect. Of course, he's villainous in a lot of other ways. But this whole he ain't Metis because she was annoying him thing is not true. If we look at all the little clues here, he did it because his mom, his dying mother told him to and with her last breath. That is why he did it. He did it to defeat Kronos. He was setting out on a hero's journey, wasn't he? Hmm. 
That's so interesting how I'm seeing it in a new perspective for the first time. I wonder if Zeus likes to play the villain sometimes. Like, he hides behind it. He hides behind a facade. I can't tell. This is just a theory right now. But you know the character Sawyer from Lost? I hope some of you have seen the show Lost. I think it's such a good show. <laughs> it might not be for everyone, but I really love Lost and I rewatch it like once a year. And there's a character named Sawyer who consistently does the bad thing, especially at the beginning of the story. He's like always making these choices that make him so villainous, but he does it on purpose because he'd rather push people away. Like Sawyer would exactly be the type of person to sob and cry while eating Metis and then tell everyone else later. Like, yeah, but she was annoying. You know? Hmm. I wonder if Zeus could really be a character like that. A little more noble than we thought. I'm not sure yet, but I'm just wondering about it. So to wrap up this episode, Zeus tells Persephone that Kronos wants to use her powers to make himself king once more. And he wonders, you know, if Athena was right when she warned him, he didn't take the warning seriously from Hera about the scars and the dreams about Kronos seeing her. He really should have paid more attention. And Persephone decides she needs to find Hades right now. If Kronos is affecting Hermes and the others like this, she can't even imagine what he would do with Hades. When we come back from this short musical interlude, we are talking about the last time Zeus saw Hades in person and what he offered him. Needless to say, it didn't go well. <laughs> we'll be right back to discuss it. Episode 201 is called Walk With Me. Zeus wants to go to Tartarus, and he wants Persephone to return to the mortal realm. And Persephone is like, absolutely not. Do you even know how to get to Tartarus? Did you even bring an offering for when you get there? Zeus has no clue at all. And I did enjoy Persephone being like, see how much I know? <laughs> it was nice. And she wants to go to Hades' work office, but she's completely caught off guard when she sees Hecate in a form we've never seen her in before. So if Persephone and Zeus didn't point that out as Hecate, I would not have recognized her. She looks totally different. Now we have seen her in her true form before. Back in episode 153, which was called Cursed, we saw Hecate with three heads. And I remember people in the comments saying that not only is she the goddess of witchcraft and magic, she's also the goddess of crossroads, and this is what this represents. And that was really cool, right? Hecate was so excited to show her true form to Hades and Persephone that day. And what we're seeing now is different. Her hair is long and wavy. Her limbs kind of branch off like a tree. Did you notice her hands? And they decide not to approach her. Zeus and Persephone are like, no, thank you, not today. Safe choice, good choice. <laughs> so Pterodactyl Screech commented on this episode of the Webtoon and said, that panel with Hecate gave me chills. And Shadow Dog and Cat commented and said, look at Hecate's hands. They look like Hermes' hands did. I think she's also being possessed by Kronos. I did not notice that. I think that's really interesting. Zeus says the last time he saw Hades in person, he really, really, really pissed him off. 
He truly underestimated Hades' devotion and love for Persephone. Zeus says, I tried my best to appease him, but it only pushed him further away. The bridal offer was the true disaster, though. And Persephone is like, what? So we flash back to the negotiations. All precious Hades wants is Persephone back. That is the only reason he is even entertaining the idea of having a negotiations talk with Zeus in the first place. So Zeus ends up offering a pink nymph in a veil named Luce. And because Persephone knew that name and we got a name for this character, I did a quick Wikipedia search. Luce was a nymph and a daughter of the Titan Oceanus. Hades fell in love with her and abducted her to the underworld. She lived out the span of her life in his realm, and when she died, the god turned her into a white poplar, which he placed in the Elysian fields. To celebrate his return from the underworld, the hero Heracles crowned himself with a branch of this tree. So, in Greek mythology, Luce and Hades had something going on. In Lore Olympus... I would say that is not the case. Luce is a little bit uppity, you know, like I could see her looking down on some people. She's a little snobby. She's introduced as one of the most sought after nymphs. I think that got to her head a little bit. And she behaves that way. You know, she puts her hand out and she's like, you are supposed to kiss it when Hades doesn't do that. And though Hades is pissed, I will say that he was very gracious about it. He did not take it out on her. I mean, it's not Luce's fault that Zeus thought this was a good idea. Hades says, I'm sorry, I'm sure you're perfectly lovely, but I'm holding that particular position for someone else. Of course, my first reaction is like, oh, he wants Persephone to be his wife. So exciting, right? And then another part of me is also just laughing at the fact that Hades says, I'm sure you're perfectly lovely. Like she is standing right in front of him. He is not seeing her. Do you know what I mean? He's like, I'm sure you're great. I'm sure you're beautiful. (laughs) He can't even register it because his heart and his mind are for Persephone. That is how I felt when I read that sentence. It's like, I'm sure you're lovely, but I'm just not even capable of seeing it. But I believe them when they say it. I just don't, I don't see it. That's what I got from that. So Hades, you know, chews Zeus out, gives him a piece of his mind, yelling that you can't just replace her. And we're like, yes, amen, hallelujah. We agree with you, Hades. Zeus has no concept of loyalty. He calls him out for that. All true. But Hades sways for a moment. It literally says the word sway, and you see him put his hand to his face. And I'm like, what's going on with our Hades here? And Zeus is concerned too, but Hades pushes him away. Did you notice in that panel how one of Hades' eyes is normal and the other is red? And I feel like this is a clue. Maybe whatever's going on with Kronos, gaining power, making moves, it's happening here. And it's affecting Hades here. He was so destroyed when he got devoured whole by his father. So scarred that like I could see this having a huge impact on him. So while Zeus and Persephone are walking and talking about these things, we see a blue goddess with white wings on her head watching them from above. And we don't really know who this is yet. And here's something I missed when I first read it. Zeus and Persephone pass by a large black tree and for some reason my brain's like oh that's a pomegranate tree it's not no joe they haven't made it there yet (laughs) i'm grateful for the comment from eleni on this episode of the webtoon who said the tree is black 
it was probably filled with Persephone's fertility powers, which Kronos drained to regain his powers, hence the color change. That is when I went back and I was like, what tree? What tree is black? What? (laughs) I went back, looked at this again, and maybe that is the tree, the pink tree that was in Tower 4 that made the underworld look a little bit more alive, that Hades loved, that pink tree, the same tree that made Kronos, the skeletal Kronos, with the crown on his head go, well, well, well back in episode 148, which is called Daydreams and Nightmares. That episode is super important. It foreshadowed a lot of the stuff we're dealing with right now, and we're going to mention it again soon. But did you notice the tree color change? Do you think that's what's going on? Do you agree with the commenter that it used to be pink, but now it's black because Kronos drained it to regain enough powers to do whatever it is he's doing now? I think that might be the case. That's where the clues are pointing us towards right now. So Persephone asks about her mother, who Zeus says he hasn't seen in a while. And Persephone and Zeus have a pretty interesting conversation. They say things to each other that I never expected them to say. Ever. Like, I never expected Zeus to tell Persephone that he originally told Hades to force her to marry him. But Hades said he wanted them to be in love. And Persephone says she does love him. Like, I never expected them to admit these things to each other. And Zeus says, yeah, you love him now. But what happens if you date for a while, get bored and call it quits? You'll be single and ready to mingle with your fancy schmancy goddess powers. And then someone like Apollo catches your eye. What Zeus doesn't know is the complete scum that Apollo is. I mean, Hera has kind of tried to tell him, but he does not listen to Hera at this point, right? When she has a concern... That's not his concern. For the most part, he brushed it off when she talked about Apollo, and he didn't really believe her when she talked about Chrono seeing her. And now those things are kind of biting him in the butt. But anyway, he is worried about Apollo someday catching Persephone's eye, and then they overthrow him. Persephone assures him that's never, ever, ever, ever going to happen in all of lifetime, in a million years, in all the universe. It'll never happen. She can't explain why, of course, but I believe her that will never ever happen, no matter what Apollo does, no matter how much she changes, I highly doubt Persephone would ever, ever be in a relationship with him. Zeus doesn't understand the gravity of that statement, but we, the audience, understand. And so the episode ends with that mysterious blue someone with those white wings approaching. When we come back, we are talking about Morpheus. We are talking about pomegranates. We are talking about Thanatos' twin. We are talking about a lot of new Greek mythology characters. We're diving deep into them and into a few theories that I thought were really interesting in the comment section. We'll be right back. Episode 202 is called Between Life and Death. So Zeus demands to know who the mysterious blue goddess is. And I was surprised that Zeus, the king of the gods, doesn't know who this is. Like, don't you know your people? (laughs) Know your own people. But also, there's probably a billion gods and goddesses. It's probably difficult. (laughs) I'm still mad at him for all the trauma (laughs) and turmoil that he's caused Persephone. Can't you tell? I'm like, know your people. You have one thing to do. Just know everybody. (laughs) I'm just mad at Zeus. Okay, so she says, please don't be afraid. I'm not like the others. And Persephone's like, can you prove it? 
And Zeus says, yeah, prove it, which made me laugh so hard. Why do I love their dynamic? Why am I sensing like sister-in-law, brother-in-law, you know, like their siblings to be because she is going to marry Hades? The fates have told us in episode 75. She is the future queen of the underworld. It is happening. And it better not be to damn Kronos, okay? It is to Hades. <laughs> but yes, the goddess says, my name is Morpheus. And right away, I'm thinking Matrix. I'm thinking, ooh, when the Wachowski sisters wrote the Matrix, they were probably influenced by Greek mythology, huh? Anyway, Morpheus continues on to say, I am the goddess of dreams. This means I'm privy to everyone's nighttime wanderings. Then she points at Persephone and says, you have a lot of unresolved issues with your mother. That's an understatement. <laughs> and then she points at Zeus and says, and you, sir, are a huge pervert. Yes, call him out, drag him. You know, don't let him off the hook. I like Morpheus already and I feel bad. I don't even want to know what Zeus dreams about. And I feel bad that Morpheus has to know this. <laughs> she says she's searching for someone who's missing too. And that someone is her father, Hypnos, the god of sleep. They have their own unofficial realm, a unique place somewhere in between life and death. And that's where we get the title of this episode. So the realm where Hypnos and Morpheus go is a place that's in between life and death. It's probably a place that's not reality. It is a dreamlike place, right? So we see an image of Hypnos, her dad who looks a lot like Thanatos. I was like, this is basically Thanatos. I Googled it and they're twins. Thanatos and Hypnos are twins and I bet they're identical because they sure look alike. I wonder what Hypnos' personality is like. Is he like Thanatos? Is he cool? He looks good in this panel. A lot of y'all were thirsting after him, <laughs> which is like, are you thirsting after Hypnos and not Thanatos? They look the same to me. How is that possible? <laughs> So Morpheus covers dreams and nightmares with assistance from the Onoroi. That's how I'm going to pronounce it for now until I figure out a different pronunciation. But I think the Onoroi could be the little one who shows up in the dreams. I'm seeing like a little blue figure. And we have been wondering for ages now, who is the being that shows up in the dreams and nightmares We've seen them in Hades and Hera's dreams and nightmares. So once again, we have to talk about episode 148, which was called Daydreams and Nightmares. It is very important, like I told you. Persephone and Hades in that episode, in his dream, run to each other in a field and kiss. But he's also having a nightmare. Kronos says in the dream, you've surprised me, Aedonis. You've found me a fertility goddess. And Hades says, you're in Tartarus. And Kronos responds with, are you so sure about that? And now I'm like, no, we're not sure. You are clearly out and free to Rome. But back in episode 148, Kronos consumes Persephone and Hades wakes up screaming Persephone's name. And it was very, very traumatic, right? Then we see someone I have been calling Little Hades for a long time. But now I'm like, he's not Little Hades, is he? He has a little blanket, like a white blanket over his head. And he has little legs <laughs> with little sandals. And Hades sees him when he wakes up and says, oh, it's you. And I have been theorizing about this since episode 148. But going back to episode 76 with Minth, little Hades was there and said, I don't want to be alone with her when she's like this. And in episode 105, we saw little Hades with no blanket on his head saying more than anything. But this blanket on the head person now might be the Onoroi. I don't know. 
He like has a little ghost white blanket. Do you know what I'm talking about? I feel like I'm, I sound like I am not in my right state of mind, but I am. <laughs> it looks like I have a tinfoil hat on my head right now, but I'm just trying to figure out who this dream creature being is, you know? I mean, even weeks and weeks ago, I posted on Instagram and asked people, is this little Hades or someone else? And some people said, oh, he's like the emotions in Let's Play. He just represents what Hades is feeling. And someone else said, no, this is Melano, the goddess of nightmares and ghosts. But I thought Morpheus and the Oneroi and Hypnos, am I getting like mixed up with the Greek names? Let me Google Melano for a second. Okay, I'm back. I Googled Melano and... Wikipedia, trusty, trusty Wikipedia, does say that, yeah, she has something to do with, you know, ghosts. That's clear. I understand where that comes from. But it also says that Melano is the daughter of Persephone and was fathered by Hades or Zeus. So um, I don't think it's Melano at this point. And also when I asked on Instagram, someone said that the little Hades blanket covered being that showed up after the dream could have just been like the child representation of Hades, like the child in all of us. And then someone else said, it's probably Epiales, the personification of nightmares in Greece. Hold please while I Google one more time. Okay, y'all, here's what my friend Wikipedia and I found out. <laughs> so I looked it up and Epiales is the spirit and personification of nightmares, but it also says Epiales was probably numbered amongst the Oneroi dream spirits, and thus one of the sons of the goddess Nyx. That feels right. Epiales was also known as Melus Onorois, Black Dream. Okay. So, hey, Ilaria Becky on Instagram, you did it. <laughs> 68 weeks ago, you called it. Bravo. I think you did. You know, I think that's what's going on here. This cannot be little Hades anymore. I will post something on Instagram to correct this. But also, I love all the theorizing because you just never know if you're right. So if Hypnos is the one who monitors sleep and Hypnos is now missing, that has something to do with what Kronos is doing, right? Did Kronos kidnap Hypnos? Are they working together? I'm not sure. But Morpheus says, I went to ask my grandmother, who must be Nyx, if she knew anything, but she wouldn't wake up. Let me tell you, I stared at this panel for a long time just trying to really decipher what I'm looking at and feeling sad for Morpheus because she was just like holding on to the floating head of Nyx. It looked like it was like floating in blood, but maybe that's just how she hibernates. But this is definitely the same Nyx who was like, here, Hades, give my son Thanatos a job. You have this child now and he is yours to take care of. <laughs> this has to be the same Nyx and she had twins, Hypnos and Thanatos. I want to see the brothers together. I cannot wait. I want to see it so badly. So someone was blocking Morpheus from even accessing dreams. I think that's Kronos. But then we see this very brief panel. And I feel like if you scroll past too fast, you will miss it. But there is a panel in episode 202 that is a black and white image. And I do not know who that is. Like there's a hand covering a lot of the features of this someone and I don't know who's in that black and white panel. And if you have any theories, now is the time to call it out because you never know if your theory might turn out to be right. I don't know who that is. So Morpheus continues to say that Kronos is using sleeping bodies to give himself temporary physical forms outside of his prison. 
And because Hades isn't here to command Tartarus, and Zeus doesn't think Tartarus will recognize his authority here, it makes me think that Persephone could maybe command Tartarus if she eats that pomegranate. And as they talk about Hades, we see the words are blurred out, like we get the first part of a sentence, but not the rest. Jonathan FTM commented and said, I think the line that's blurred says, but your brother was one of the first to go. That made me so sad. Like, no, Hades. I want you to be okay. That makes me so sad for him. Persephone doesn't even hear that because she's not really paying attention to this conversation. She is drawn to the vending machine. And the minute I saw that, I was like, pomegranate drink, pomegranate drink. (laughs) You guys know I love to talk about pomegranates in Lore Olympus. I think I even made a TikTok back when I thought I could handle the time requirements and all of the effort that comes with having a TikTok. Back when I thought I could be somebody on TikTok (laughs) who was like active on that platform. I made a video about Persephone taking the pomegranate because in episode 59, Persephone gets a pomegranate from the vending machine and it's like a classic drink and it says pomegranate on it, classic pomegranate. And she takes it from Hades and they both drink one. So I thought that was something because, you know, this is a retelling of Persephone's story. Pomegranates are super important in that case. So we have to assume she gets the same drink from this vending machine, but it rolls out and rolls down the hallway and she finds herself going down this long, dark hallway. She even wonders why she wanted the drink in the first place. And then she hears Kor. But she's not sure she heard her name, Kor, Fiend said. And then we see the outline of someone behind her. And Zeus and Morpheus see it too. And then Persephone is yanked. I mean, yanked and pulled somewhere new. And she hits her head really hard and is in pain. And then we see Hades. Well, the body of Hades, because this is what the body says. Sorry about that. I just had to get you away from the idiots. And that's the end of the episode. Lolly with a smiley face commented and said, Kronos, get out of your son's body. It's weirding me out. Oh boy, it's weirding me out too. Agariah commented and said, Persephone hates being grabbed. It's a whole theme. And Hades has never grabbed her. He has only ever touched her with her consent and respectfully. I agree. One more Lore Olympus history lesson for you. Back in episode 54, Hades saw... Persephone get angry pretty much for the first time in their entire relationship. And that was when Hera was pretending to be a photographer and she was in disguise. She grabbed Persephone's arm and Persephone was pissed. I don't think Hades would ever grab her, much less yank her and like crack her head on the floor. You know, that's not him. It can't be. Here's an interesting theory from Daisy Ad who commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, has to be Tartarus trying to convince our girl to eat the pomegranate. Once pomegranates are mentioned, we are going to go buck wild with the theories, okay? We cannot stop ourselves. We should not stop ourselves. It is so fun to theorize. And I think that's pretty interesting. Like, what if this isn't Kronos? What if somehow this is Tartarus and it's, like, trying to get her to take the pomegranate because Tartarus is like, someone needs to be in control of all of this. I'm not happy with how this is going. I think that's an interesting theory. I also think it's very likely that this is Kronos and he's just hopping. He's just hopping through the bodies. He's like, I was in Hermes. Now I am in the body of my son. And he doesn't give a crap. He doesn't give a flying flip. He has no respect for anybody. So I'm scared to see what happens next in Lore Olympus. 
Lore Olympus episode 203 is called Hedge Maze. So Persephone's head is really hurting her. As the imposter Hades is talking to her, she sees three of him, so she really hurt herself. Poor Persephone, there are tears in her eyes. I just feel awful for her. And she says, Hades hit my head really hard. So Hades doesn't care that she hit her head. That is all we need to know. This is not Hades. The only thing he says in response is, of course it's me. Who else would it be? Boy, if you don't go somewhere, <laughs> it's like you are not Hades and you have a terrible personality because you caused someone to hurt themselves and you don't care. You just care about your own agenda, your own plans. Even though Persephone's wobbling, she takes out the letter that she prepared for this very moment. And she starts by reading it saying, I know it's been a really long time, but I wanted you to know that I love you. And at that moment, the moment Persephone says she loves Hades to what looks like Hades, he interrupts her and says, fantastic. At this point, Persephone has to be like, what is going on? What in Olympus is going on here? And then Hades continues to say, we're getting married today. If I were Persephone, I would have whiplash from this conversation with him because he's not responding to anything I'm saying. Very similar to conversations with Apollo, right? He's just talking and talking and talking and sharing his own plans. And it's not a back and forth kind of conversation. And now he just says, we're getting married today. Not, would you like to marry me? Or what do you think of getting married? He's like, it's happening. And slides a ring on her finger. And you can see Persephone kind of fighting it, saying, the ring is too small. Hades, you're hurting me. Also, how can they get married today when none of her friends or family are around? And Hades is like, it's fine. You don't need them. It really does remind me of Persephone having conversations with Apollo where it's his way or the highway. And it's like talking to a brick wall, a forceful brick wall that has its own agenda. A lot of people in the comments mentioned that this gave them Apollo flashbacks as well. Hades points out a statue that's being built in her honor. And it's just like, okay, we suspect this is Kronos, but whoever this is inhabiting Hades' body, he clearly doesn't know anything about Persephone and thinks very little of her. Like, he really thought this would work? <laughs> he thinks so little of her that he doesn't even try that hard. This is him pretending to be like Hades for real. This is his best Hades impersonation. It's so bad. I am offended on Persephone's behalf. So I definitely cringed when Hades said, don't be nervous, my little strawberry. Nope, don't like that. Typically, a nickname like that, we'd be like, ooh, cute. Look how Hades called her a little strawberry. No, this is not acceptable. I do not like this coming out of what we assume to be Kronos' mouth. No, 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 no. Masca Brona commented on this episode of the Webtoon and had a reaction to this moment saying, I have a feeling Kronos used to call Rhea his little strawberry. I mean, that tracks. They have similar complexions. And another final straw, Hades doesn't like the coat. The coat that Hades picked out, like a gift for Persephone. He doesn't like it. I mean, are you even trying to fool her? I have to ask again. Come on, sir. You're half-assing it at this point. I have to call you out. This is lazy. <laughs> He just thinks really little of Persephone. He's like, oh, she's dumb and she will fall for this and then we will be married and I can have her power. At this point, 
Our girl Persephone has had enough. She runs to the bathroom, and the first thing she says to herself is, that is not my Hades. Yeah, and I was glad to see that she could tell pretty quickly that this is not her man at all. One thing that is concerning me a lot is that she can't get the ring off. I mean, how do marriages between gods work in this world of Lore Olympus? I'm trying to remember. Do you recall any marriages that we see happen between gods in this comic? Because I don't know what the rules are. Does Zeus have to be there? Um, Do they need witnesses? Does it have to happen in front of anybody or can it just happen alone like this? Are they technically married now? What is what is it? How does it work? I ask this because one of my favorite book series ever is The Cruel Prince by Holly Black. And there are fairies in the world of those books. And the fairies can get married privately just by saying a few words and then they are legally bound to each other. (laughs) So I'm scared that this ring could be more than what meets the eye. I really want her to be able to take it off, especially before she's reunited with the actual Hades. K.Here also commented on this episode of the Webtoon about the ring and said, This ring is bad news. I have a feeling it could have some sort of curse or transportation device or spell attached to it. Yeah, I mean, other people were wondering if it was like a tracker of some sort. I'm concerned. Yeah, this is not good. It's not good that she can't take it off. It's like a little hint, like something's wrong here. So we'll have to see. Persephone knows that this is not Hades. It's clearly Kronos. And she comes up with a plan. When she returns, she plays along with him, leaning into the whole he thinks she's dumb. So she puts on, I think, a ditzy voice, (laughs) acting like the ditzy young goddess that Kronos thinks she is. I think this is a great plan to play into his perception of her so that she can survive this and get away. I imagine that Persephone talks in like a sing-songy voice and is like, oh, Hades. (laughs) And I bet he's not like, wow, she's changed. She's different. She's less skeptical now. No, I don't think Kronos is noticing any shift or change in her strategy whatsoever. From what I can tell, he is too self-absorbed for that. So Persephone wants to play a little game, she tells him, and she has to flirt pretty hard to get him to go for it. And the game is a hedge maze. She creates a hedge maze and he has to find her. And so once it's begun, I really enjoyed Persephone running away from him, muttering to herself, stupid, horny old shit. (laughs) I mean, this is new Persephone. This is Persephone 10 years later. She is the best. In reference to Kronos being so easily tricked by Persephone, Talking Salad commented on this episode of the Webtoon and said, now we know where Zeus gets it. (laughs) I, I get that, but is it hereditary? Did Zeus really get his womanizing ways from his father? It's not like Kronos raised him, but I do get the comment. Within the hedge maze, Morpheus and Zeus catch up to Persephone, and it's time for phase two of the plan. Persephone wants Morpheus to put her to sleep so she can infiltrate Hades' dreams and wake him up. And I'm so there for this plan. I want them to see each other even if it's in a dream reality. I'll take it. I would love to see a proper reunion between these two, right? So it's dangerous. A lot of things could go wrong. Persephone might not wake up. 
There could be an interloper who is trying to distract her and mess with her. It could go horribly wrong. Morpheus might not be able to guide her. So many obstacles, but she is up for the challenge. The episode ends with Persephone going to sleep, breathing in and out. And she wakes up in a very gorgeous outfit. Dufu's King commented on this episode and said, that dress in the last frame is fire. Oh yeah, I would wear that in a heartbeat. I love it. It's a little scary what Persephone's doing, but she's putting it all on the line for Hades. And I love how active she is. She isn't passive. She's not letting things just happen to her. She's coming up with plans. She told Zeus to make sure you don't hurt Hades' body, but also keep Kronos distracted. And Zeus was like, how am I supposed to do that? And she's like, figure it out though. Figure it out. I don't know. You work on that. That is your part of the plan. <laughs> she wasn't that harsh, but that is the vibe I got, and I love it. That was tasty. I ate that all up. It was so good. Seeing her be so assertive with Zeus puts a smile on my face. But yes, now we have to worry about Persephone accomplishing this very difficult task in the dream state. And I also worry about her body. Hopefully Kronos doesn't attack while she's asleep. There's a lot of things to worry about in Lore Olympus, and that's what makes it so good. All right, that was our breakdown of episodes 200 through 203 of Lore Olympus by Rachel Smythe. Don't forget, if you want to become a patron of this podcast, you can join by going to patreon.com slash girlwonder. All right, let's wrap this up. Wow, you made it to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to Girl Wonder. We currently have no sponsors, so here's a shout out to a random listener instead. This week's shout out goes to Edit Olympus on Instagram. It's always so fun seeing your Instagram posts. New episodes of Girl Wonder are uploaded on Saturdays. I am Joe Rochelle, and we'll talk again next week. Bye. <laughs>